In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The central reading of Monday of Holy Week is the story of the fig tree. And today we're going to talk about a lot of trees, lots and lots of trees of all different kinds. The basic contours of the story are this. Christ is hungry and he seeks out fruits from the fig tree. He sees that the tree has many leaves and yet it had no fruit. So he curses it saying, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. So this part of the story we know, and by itself, the story demonstrates the absolute terrible power that Christ has over his creation. But seen in the grander context of the week, the story actually has layers upon layers of meaning. As a matter of fact, the message behind the story is of such importance that we read its recounting in the Gospel of Mark not once but twice in the same day, in the first and the third hours of Monday. So why is that? The symbology of trees and their fruits permeates the description of the relationship between people and God throughout the scripture. So in the first hour of Monday, earlier today, in the prophecy from Isaiah about the Lord planting a vineyard, which is Israel, the vineyard doesn't yield fruits. So here's a little passage from uh, the prophecy of the first hour today. There was a vineyard for my beloved, a place in power and richness. He placed a wall around it and fortified it. He planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So I waited for it to bring forth grapes, but it produced thorn plants. And now men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem judged between me and my vineyard. What shall I yet do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? For I waited for it to bring forth grapes, but it produced thorn plants. But now I will tell you what I shall do to my vineyard. I shall remove its wall and it shall be for booty. I shall break down its wall and it shall be trampled underfoot. I will forsake my vineyard. A covenant is a two-way street. God kept his end of the covenant, but the people of Israel did not. And thus the Lord says, I will forsake my vineyard. Israel was a nation that God had entrusted with his laws. He chose them from all of the peoples of the ancient world to reveal himself to them and through them to reveal himself to the world at large. But unfortunately, they were unworthy stewards of that trust. They were a vineyard that produced thorns instead of grapes. And in the context of today's gospel reading, they are a fig tree with nothing but leaves. And by the way, when we say the Jewish people here, it's, I mean, ultimately reflects on all of us. So I just want to make sure that we're not, you know, we're not singling out the Jewish people, but they did have a special place and they were entrusted with a special gift. So the fig tree is of special significance. It is no mere coincidence that this is the tree, the specific tree that Christ encounters today. In fact, the fig tree appears in the story of the fall of man, which the Holy Church also ordained for us to read today. Also, by the way, not a coincidence, of course, there's an order to these things. The church is very deliberate in the readings that she picks. So in the prophecies of the ninth hour, we read the following from the book of Genesis. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree beautiful to contemplate, another tree, by the way, um, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of the two were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Now consider this carefully. It's astounding that the fig tree appears at these two critical junctures, first at the fall of man, and at the start of the week in which the Lord sets out to undo the fall of man. 
Adam and Eve attempt to cover their shame with fig leaves. St. Cyril of Jerusalem writes, Remember, at the time of the sin of Adam and Eve, they clothed themselves with what? Fig leaves. That was their first act after the fall. So now Jesus is making the same figure of the fig tree the very last of his wondrous signs. Just as he was headed toward the cross, he cursed the fig tree. Not every fig tree, but that one alone for its symbolic significance, saying, May no one ever eat fruit of you again. In this way, the curse laid upon Adam and Eve was being reversed, for they had clothed themselves with fig leaves. The fig leaves of the tree that Christ cursed today are the outward appearance of righteousness. They are, in the context of today's readings, the acts of worship that the Jewish people perform thinking that in their performance they are meeting God's standard for how they should live their life. They are the act of devotion, the outward manifestation, that when performed emptily yields no fruits and does nothing to heal the human soul. In that context, Adam and Eve, as prototypes for all humanity, are trying to cover the inadequacy, their inadequacy with outward acts of piety, and yet performed to the letter of the law, but devoid of the spirit of the law, these acts of piety do nothing. They cannot heal the fundamental brokenness of human nature after the fall. Look at God describing the state of the people of Israel, and by extension, the state of the entire human race, in the opening chapter of the book of Isaiah. The whole head is in pain and the whole heart in sadness from the feet all the way to the head. There is no soundness in them, only wounds and bruises and festering sores. They have not been closed or bandaged or soothed with ointment. No simple cover-up will fix this. No fig leaf, i.e. no empty act of devotion, can cover the multitude of of illnesses of human nature after the fall. These empty acts of devotion, the leaves of the fig tree, are the crux of the central conflict between Christ and his detractors, the scribes, the Pharisees, the lawyers. Because those that group specifically, in theory, they were the keepers of the law that God had given to the people of Israel. This is a privilege upon privilege. So God had entrusted his manifestation. um, God had not entrusted his manifestation to anyone other than the people of Israel at that point. And yet, instead of embracing this tremendous gift of God and living up to his intention, they turn his law into shallow practices, reassuring themselves that following through with the acts was enough to justify them before God. So much so that when Christ did miracles on the Sabbath, they would criticize him instead of marveling at the incredible thing that had just happened in front of them. In their actions were fulfilled the words of God to Isaiah, which we read in the third hour earlier today. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are intelligent in their own eyes and expert in their own sight. And St. Gregory the Great wrote about this. The figs which the Lord had sought were the fruit of the synagogue, which had the leaves of the law, but not the fruit of works. Letter instead of spirit. These fundamentally flawed notions of the purpose and heart of the law and the uprooting of the tree of Israel were first pointed out by John the Baptist. In the ninth hour gospel today, the chief priests and the elders questioned Jesus about upturning of the money changers' tables, asking, by what authority are you doing these things? And immediately Christ responds by asking them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, 
I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? Why is Christ referencing John the Baptist as an answer to the, their, their challenge about overturning the tables? By the way, after he had cursed the fig tree and after he kicked out the money changers and those who bought and sold in the temple. So let's read what John the Baptist had to say uh, when the Pharisees and Sadducees, the same group of people, had come to see him when he was baptizing people in the Jordan. What did he call them? Brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves we have Abraham as our father for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire so trees again in a sense Israel has been warned repeatedly continuously repent Bear fruits worthy of the gift that you have been given, worthy of the law with which you were entrusted. But this week, this is the week of the day of the Lord, when Christ approaches asking for fruits from the people of Israel and finds none. And that's why the cursing of the fig tree didn't really have anything to do with Jesus' physical hunger or for his need to eat physical fruit, but it did have everything to do with the tree being a symbol of the people of Israel. The Blessed Augustine wrote, So what terrible thing had the poor tree done simply in not bearing fruit? Could the tree reasonably be faulted for its fruitlessness? No. But human beings who by their own free will decide not to bear fruit, that is a different matter. Those found wanting in accountability in this case are those who had the benefit of the law, which was meant to bear fruit, but they had no fruit to show for it. They had a full growth of leaves, the law, yet bore no fruit works of mercy. In fact, Christ tells us that not only is that original tree going to be cut down, but that the people it represents will be replaced by others. And thus, in the first hour of the eve of Tuesday, which was earlier tonight, um, Christ says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God And indeed, there are last who will be first, and first who will be last. We have Abraham as our father, doesn't cut it, just like John the Baptist said. Empty acts of piety, the fig leaves, won't cut it. Fulfilling the external physical requirements of the law saves no one. And just look at St. Paul's long breakdown of this. Over and over throughout the day, the church is bringing us readings, pointing back to the symbolism of the fig tree as a representation of the empty piety of the elders. In the gospel of the ninth hour of the eve of Tuesday that we read earlier tonight, Christ is dining with a group of Pharisees, scribes, and lawyers. And this is really where things come to head in terms of the conflict between him and them. What does he say to them? Now you Pharisees, make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness, foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The conflict between Christ and the chief priests and elders reaches the boiling point in the gospel of the 11th hour Monday. Not only does Christ have a well-established history of criticizing, you know, 
the very core of their existence, the, the Pharisees and, and, and the lawyers as interpreters of the law and thus basically interpreters of the intention of God. And that's kind of how they saw themselves. So he's criticizing that which alone is very offensive to them. But he reveals himself not as a mere teacher of the law who has a better understanding of it than they. He reveals himself as the very giver of the law. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am the great name, the forbidden name, right, that God revealed um, to Moses in the desert of Sinai. To, so to say that the Jewish leadership was incensed by this was an understatement. So you can see kind of the buildup, you know, and why this, you know, the, 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 the cursing of the fig tree coming at this instant in time when he's having this conflict with the Jewish leadership, who again has shown that, you know, they, are, they think of themselves as the keepers, but it's all emptiness. There is no fruits. So in this case, he's not criticizing them as a learned teacher of the lie. Rather, here's a 33-year-old man saying, you are wrong because I am the giver of this law, which you have so completely disfigured. So the question becomes for us, are we the Pharisees? I think we are. The focus on external acts of piety and the appearance of righteousness uh, instead of truly, truly living a life of righteousness, are an enduring human problem. And unfortunately, we, the Orthodox, are quite liable to be subject to, to this problem. The law was a tool and not an end in and of itself. Likewise, the sacraments of the church, our rites, our rubrics, our pr- prayers, the hymns, the traditions, lower T, not capital T, are all means to an end. The sacraments, for example, are the visible actualization of the hidden gifts of God. They are the means by which we can enter into communion with the Trinity. The sacraments can heal us. They can make us whole as they are paths that lead back to the salvific work of Christ. But just like the Pharisees squandered the law and turned it into empty acts of piety, so too are we, unfortunately, liable to squander the gifts of the sacraments. If I practice the sacrament of confession regularly, and yet I do not truly repent of the sin for which I am a slave, that is, I have no internal desire to do so, then my confession is merely an outward act of piety with no depth. If I communion with the holy mysteries weekly, but do not live a life worthy of that gift during the rest of the week, then I'm also squandering this gift. Which, by the way, what is communion? In the context of trees, anybody? Anybody? It's the fruit of the tree of life. See, everything is trees. I told you. All right. So it's the fruit of the tree of life from the book of Genesis, right? We got so hung up on the details sometimes. Um, should I cross myself now or later? Oh, is it okay that we skip this part of the liturgy? Is sodium cassinate vegan or not? These are all details, minor details. Um, and Christ is, in a way, kind of imploring us to, as he told the disciples, cast into the depth, Right? The outward appearances of piety are nothing. The heart is all that matters. Am I showing justice and mercy? Am I serving those who are in need of help? Am I living the heart of the gospel instead of simply uttering its words like the clanging symbols that St. Paul wrote about? It is not enough to say that we have time to figure all of this out, unfortunately. We have to work on it constantly. God is long-suffering. He desires not the death of a sinner, but rather that he repent and live. He wants fruit from us, but we have to be careful when that fruit will be required of us. So did you notice how Christ goes looking for fruit from the fig tree, even though it wasn't season for the figs? Interesting, right? It wasn't even the season for figs, and yet he goes asking for fruit. That's really something terrifying. 
And Christ warned us um, that he will do this, by the way, right? In fact, it's the last gospel that we read tonight. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So let us, my beloved, be trees that bear fruit that we can offer up to the master when he comes asking for the harvest. One final thing I want to point out. In the story of Adam and Eve we read earlier today about the fall of man, we see that they, after the fall, they had sown for themselves the coverings from the fig leaves in a desperate attempt to cover their shame. But God replaces the covering of the fig leaves with what? Right? The prophecy says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made garments of skin and clothed them. For there to be skin that God can make garments, there had to be a what? An animal, a sacrifice, right? And that, my beloved, is the story of the week. While we make feeble attempts at piety with leaves of a fig tree, God shows us the only covering for our sins is he himself, the sacrifice, which he offers up to the Father on the cross for the restoration of our fallen nature. Blessed are you, O my Lord Jesus, for you are crucified and saved us. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home